Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Angley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great today, Ryan. Good to talk to you. Yes, and it is a merry happy. If you are listening to this on the 23rd, happy Festivus to you. This is our semi-annual, not semi-annual. No, it's annual, that mean, I think, right? Right. Well, I don't think we've done it every time we've done. I know, but it's going to be book. annual from now on. So, so this is our now. This is our annual uh, Christmas episode, and uh, this a p- potentially a more provincial uh, uh, Christmas uh, <laughs> uh, episode or a, right. a bit of content than uh, than typical. We are doing as you can. Um, well, actually, no, as you will not be able to tell from the title, we are talking about um, three stop motion animated uh, Christmas films. Uh, TV films, this is important to talk about yes. that as a genre, yeah. um, that aired, uh, were created and aired between uh, 1964 and 1974. Uh, it was the same production team, uh, Rankin and Bass. Uh, this was it, like a fixture of, I mean, I think it still is, of uh, Christmas time television in sure. uh, in America. It's it's it, And I think these were initially all um, NBC, but NBC doesn't own them anymore. So they, it, they have aired on CBS, like, and they have aired differently. Some of the things we're going to talk about. So this is, uh, uh, along with the like Charlie Brown Christmas and some other uh, some other staples. This is, this Grinch is a staple. who stole Christmas, probably. Grinch, right? yeah, yeah. Th- th- these are these are fixtures of uh, of the media, the Christmas media experience in the U.S. So it it's you probably if you are a, a listener not from the U.S. It's highly likely that you haven't seen these before, um, but so we will include uh, some representative clips in the show notes. And even if you have, maybe you haven't seen them in a while, so this will be helpful. But we're trying to. What's interesting to us, the reason why we pick these is for once uh, for for one reason, uh, temporarily speaking. You know, uh, last time we did this, we got up through the '40s and into the like we've done Christmas films a little bit in the '50s. I think that the key example would be White Christmas, which is '54. Um, the Christmas film, uh, explosion really happens on uh, television starting in the sixties. So as we move forward, we're kind of trying to be, uh, temporarily, uh, correct. But another thing we're doing is carrying the theme of non-belonging, which is what is, uh, noted in the title to this episode. This is a, this is a misfit Christmas. Todd McGowan, a misfit is it Christmas. Not? That's right. That's right. And we're going to start with the most misfit of them all, which is yes. uh, in w- the, the film in which uh, we're going to call them films, I think, but they're, you could also call them television shows, I think, with uh, some correctness. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. so we'll start with the most, the one most focused on the misfit, and I think, I think both of us think probably the best one, Rudolph yeah. the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and then we're going to yes. move to Santa Claus's Come Into Town, which is based on the song and then was turned into the, the film, and then the final one. As was one, Rudolph. As was Rudolph, poem. true, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Important. We'll say that we'll talk a little bit more about this. We'll talk about the specific one, but uh, and finally we'll end with this: the one called "The Year Without a Santa Claus," which, as Ryan Ryan pointed out to me, has the most the catchiest tunes to it. I think without without question, yeah, it's the it's the campiest as well. It's like I said this to you: if if uh, Lucille Ball didn't exist, this would have invented camp. It's right. like it, right. it's uh, it's incredible. Can't wait to talk about Dick Sean's performance as Snow Miser. That is absolutely going in the show show notes. E- interestingly, well, I don't know if this is interesting. I frustratingly, uh, the original recording of uh, the Snow Miser or Heat Miser song, I can't get it on Apple Music, and I'm trying to make a Christmas playlist, and it's driving me crazy. So oh, that's just, Ryan, that's tragic. It it's is tragic. tragic. It is yeah, genuine, yeah. genuine tragedy. But let's it's talk. The, let's talk about Rudolph. Let's talk it's about true that those those streaming services want to really don't want to 
They do not want to give you plenitude, right? Like they want to no. make clear that there's still some lack in the world. So that's yes. good job by Apple Music. <laughs> good job that. by so, Apple. Yeah, I suppose I should be celebrating that. That's a good yeah, point by you. Yeah, yeah. So enjoy the very, not It was very Chris it. Russo of me, by the way, to just say that. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> right, right. That's true. Good point by you, Mikey. <laughs> okay, so Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So he starts, so, so that is a, it's interesting. So just a little bit of the history, not too much, but it it's, it was originally a poem written for the department store Montgomery wards, mm-hmm. which I don't think exists anymore. And no. then it became very soon afterward, a song that Gene Autry most famously performed. I think Dean Martin performed a famous version of it. And then the, the film made in 1964 was interesting. They didn't have access to the original poem, so they based it on the song. So it's really, mm-hmm. there, there are lines from the song that are taken up in the, in the, in the film, and, and it really focuses on Rudolph as an outcast, right? Like, he's, yes. like he's, he's born, his par- he's born to Donner, and <laughs> this is a, one thing we'll have to talk about. <laughs> we'll have to to talk Donner about and Donner's wife, basically. Donner's like that's, wife. She doesn't have her own name. No. Uh, so there's a real, the sexism of Rudolph is a little tough to to stomach. So it's 64. It's really pre in the U S women's liberation movement. And it's clear that it's pre that. Um, although by 64 on say Mad Men, they were already showing a little bit. <laughs> things were a little better than this, but anyway, uh, maybe, maybe so, a mis- mischaracterization. There is a, um, there is a trajectory of these three films of women's liberation, which we'll get to true. a year without a center Santa Claus, but yes. so that this will be a, a theme throughout the episode, but yeah, right. Yeah, it's Donner's interesting. Life, not great. <laughs> There's a there, there's an interesting thing. So the films get progressively politically and just theoretically worse, and that mm. but but in terms of feminism they get better. So there's yeah. an interesting kind of uh, cross thing there. And in terms of the songs they get better too. The songs I mm-hmm. think in the third one are the best. Uh, so but but Rudolph is take. immediately wow. is that a hot take? I don't. Know. That's a hot uh, take. That's a that's a heat miser take. Uh, I guess it's because taken. right because the songs in the first two are more famous. So like Rudolph they the Red-Nosed Reindeer and more traditional. Obviously Santa Claus is coming to town. Although I think they needed Springsteen. They could have got him. Oh, could they have? No, it's too <laughs> no, early. It's no, slightly too early because it's seventy. Short, so it's yeah. I think he would have still been a teenager. Uh, that's the. Some, can we just really quickly? That's there aren't very many working class Christmas songs. The only one I can really think of is uh, Father Christmas by the Kinks, which is yeah. maybe possibly the best Christmas song. But the way that the live aspect of, uh, of, the, of Springsteen of doing that song, Santa Claus Coming to Town, it does give it that kind of, at the, at the time, of course, now he's very rich and very famous, but like does give it the little working yeah, class Yeah, for vibe. sure. So, no, you know, I like think that. absolutely true. And, and the way that like... Cl- Clarence playing the saxophone in that song—it's like <laughs> yes. really a working class because you really get the feeling that he, his, you can his labor in playing it is evident. I think in a way that mm. you know, especially because Springsteen mentions him, right? Like that's in a way that you don't usually get that, doesn't he? I think he mentions. I think Clarence. he does. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? We should put a clip of that in, in this as well. So that's oh, yeah, that, that's yeah. that's coming for people. Anyway, please continue. Yeah. Anyway, so so the, there there's this so, so born to Donner and Donner's wife is this is this. They're, they're proud parents, and then they see his red glowing nose, and immediately mm-hmm. they are they feel ashamed of it. And so they they Donner gets a little green <laughs> dirt from the ground and covers it yeah. up and makes basically this is he has to hide his difference or hide his singularity, yes. right? So or hide the way he doesn't fit in to conform. Mm-hmm. And so that's the basic idea of the 
of the sh- of the film throughout i think most of the film is that you're you're if you have some kind of singularity as a subject you have to obscure that to fit in with the to belong right to fit in it's, with the, it's the a, group it's amazing that what the film does um th- uh, made for tv movie i think is that that would be the if we're going to be the most correct with the genre. I, I know, that's but that's the, a lot. That's pretty mouthful. It's a lot to say. So we'll just call yeah. it a film. But we will talk about some of the TV aspects of this as yeah. we go along. But it is amazing yeah. what the film does visually for this because, um, well, for one, Sam the Snowman, who tells the story, he he just refers to Rudolph's nose as his nonconformity. Like, that's named, that's in right. the text. Rudolph's nonconformity. Um, the elves, so the other, the other nonconformist in the film is Hermie, the elf who doesn't want to make toys. It's a very bar he's a very much a Bartleby in figure. He I just, love this point by you. It's a great, yeah, it's he, a great point. Yeah. It, this is how he's introduced all the all the He even the, says the, I would prefer not to, doesn't he? He says I would prefer not to. I yeah. yeah. And and yeah. his uh it's <laughs> the, there's so many great like there's so many great also campy line deliveries like, oh he doesn't want you don't want to, you know, like that like little right. pause, you know, right. where uh, like, oh, yeah, of course, that makes sense. Wait a minute. That's what a, an elf who doesn't want to make toys. He doesn't want to paint this uh, this wagon or wagon, whatever. Right. But right. but visually, every other elf looks exactly the same except for him. There's only right. one other elf in the whole movie who's a tall elf with glasses who looks different. That's the only other one. So, so even even visually, the film is is making graphic this theme of conformity. Like Hermie looks even very different from the the one tall elf with the glasses. So, he starts with this 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 Bartlebyan arc. He does he would just prefer not to, and then he's he's given this like you're either with us or you're against us not not even like you're you're either with us or or you're with us kind of ultimatum from the head elf and he d- decides to leave because he would prefer not to he doesn't want to he doesn't want to make toys well, doesn't he and, get detention during like instead of getting to eat lunch or have a break he has to stay and work and then yes. he just bolts out the window right like right that. he just yeah exactly exactly yeah. and uh to, because he wants to be a dentist he's an elf who right. wants to be a dentist which would be very right. important for the theme of castration just very quickly to to Go back our, our previous uh, Christmas films. The themes that we we're tracing through in the other episodes is this uh, castration of the father, um, this anti cynicism, and what we're adding with these films is this like this non belonging, this this misfit aspect. So Hermie leaves, and then we don't see him for for a while until uh, Rudolph, who's lived some of his life hiding his nonconformity, right. and. So there's, I think there's two things we want to we want to talk about with this. There, there is a way in which Rudolph's difference is uh, racialized, and it is also like um, stigmatized as a disability. Right. I, right. And and I I think it's where where it's uh, racialized is particularly clear when Clarice, this other this lady reindeer. Uh, it, um, who he's attracted to, who he's attracted to is attracted yeah. to him. Yeah. And her father catches her like kissing Rudolph on the cheek and says like, no daughter of mine is going to be with a reindeer with a red note. And then like, you can hear the, like, you know, again, th- think about it. It's 1964. Right. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and civil rights in the U S and are, are, are just like, that is like, it's, it's, it's top of mind. Of course mm. it's, it, that is, I think, um, 
it's it's I, I don't know like uh to me that's as as clear as uh the Paul McCartney the Beatles song Blackbird being about civil rights you know like it's just like yeah, it's very yeah. cl- clear what's what's at stake in that moment right. so there's the the um the racialized difference and then as it functions as a, a stigmatized disability it's like the impossibility of reindeer society in the movie being like oriented around this difference like it can't have it and so we'll get we'll we'll get to this we'll get to the like kind of like the turn later but that's the uh the establishment it's and it's not just a stigmatized difference it actually becomes a bit of a liability because as you know as Rudolph is shunned from reindeer society. This is how he finds Hermie. And then the two of them are trying to escape. They're trying to go to just somewhere else where Hermie can be a dentist and, uh, and, and Rudolph can live outside of persecution because of his difference. And the problem is they're chased by an abominable snow monster attracted to Rudolph's red nose. Right. And, uh, so he almost gets them killed. He almost gets them killed for the, so there, so it, it becomes, so, but Hermie shields him like he like the, there's uh you know they're working together to to they're working together to so that it's not a uh like a like a difference that um that like Rudolph has to bear alone you know like right. like it, it's it's uh like her it's a very I think a very sweet relationship between the two of them but and they both sing this is very important so independently Earlier in the film, Rudolph sings a song about being a misfit. Yeah, I think. Uh, or why is it am Hermie? I just a misfit? I think. Why am I just a misfit? It might be Hermie who sings it first, and then Rudolph sings yeah. it independently second. And then when they meet each other, they sing uh, a duet. They sing it as a duet after this yeah. great line where Hermie says he's going to be independent, and Rudolph says, "Yeah, I'm going to do whatever you just said, independent." <laughs> and then Hermie says, "Let's be independent together." Yeah, which is it's a great, beautiful. It's a great. Right, and I think that is the idea of the of the film, right? Like in, being yeah. independent together, being I, alone together, being isolated together, being singular together. I think that that's some. I think that idea that's pretty clear in the in the film. And I I I, I, I want to come back a little bit to before they leave because I think there's a mm, okay. and it, this, they've just taken this straight from the song that there's these actual reindeer games going oh, on. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they're like, you can't play at any of our reindeer games. So they just take it directly from the, from right, the song, right, which I think right, is right. really cool um, because of his difference or because of his singularity. And then I think it's interesting because it's kind of a passing. I think you're right to say there's both the disability and the, the difference is racialized. And his father wants him to pass, and he does yes. to some extent yes. successfully passing, pass. Really. And then yes. when that falls through, then it, then it's clear that it that like when he the 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 dirt falls off his nose and they see that his difference then they're they're like right. okay you're ostrich you can't play in our join our reindeer game so I think that, yeah. that but then you're right it becomes this I think the in, it becomes even more interesting when it becomes this actual existential liability to yeah both to Hermie and him I think right yeah and cl- and it's really nice that cl- you know Clarice uh, it's it's because it's because she sees him, you know, I think it's very sweet. Like, like once he, once his like false nose comes off, uh, she is the only reindeer to go see him. Like she says, basically like, you know, it's much better to see you than to see you trying to pass, which is what his father told him to do or not told him, made, made him do, made him, uh, right. Made him do. Um, and yeah. And the, you know, as they, so when he, 
like the the misfit thing just for a little bit of extra diegetic uh extra textual information the um there are two two important two important things one of our, our uh this is definitely a scene we'll have to include in the uh in the show notes um where they end up, and this skips a lot, and there's a lot of stuff we have to talk about, but I'm just going to put this here now. Where they end up is this place called the Island of Misfit Toys. And in the original airing of the of the film, there are all these, all these misfit toys, a boat that doesn't float, a train that has a caboose with square wheels, like, uh, right. you know, a, a, a penguin that doesn't, uh, not penguin, oh, this is why I said this, a bird that, that, that doesn't fly but swims, that, that's a... Well, so that's a penguin and a boat that doesn't float. I'm, that's a submarine, but it's but it's supposed to be a you know like a like a sailboat anyway. Um, so the Rudolph promises that Santa will come to the island of misfit toys, and in the original airing, Santa doesn't go back there. And so the next time they aired the film, there was an insert at the end of the movie where Santa does go back and redistributes the the toys um, to the you know the households of the world. Um, the other thing with this is that there was a, a another a song that they wanted to include where it was uh, Rudolph and Hermie singing about the two of them seeking fame and fortune, and they put that in after the original. But people, again, <laughs> complained that what they had removed to put this fame and fortune song in, which I, I've never even seen or I've heard. I've never seen it either, no. Yeah, th- they removed the two of them singing the Misfit song together. Wow. So, that's a really yeah, ideological so, adjustment, isn't it? It is. It really is. So, like, the idea... So, this is one of these things that, like... I, I, this is part of the reason I think you and I are attracted to the Christmas film genre is because it, it not just do the, do the films uh, diegetically or theoretically work through castration and anti-cynicism, but, like, you have to adopt, a, I think, a castrated and anti-cynical position to, to read them because... It, Right. It's 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 far too easy to be like, look, this is commercial. This is part of the General Electric like holiday hour or whatever it was when it was initially right. aired. You know, like like this was the, the point of this was to sell toys, you know, and, th- and th- right. there are commercial breaks in this, which you, where you would watch this thing about Christmas and you'd have seen commercials for toys. It's for kids. So the commercial aspect, it's all right there. But this the where the excess in the text is and, and this is the thing that people cathected to to use a. Uh, a psychoanalytic word, like they had a, um, uh, an investment, like a, like a, an emotional investment that exceeds what the text is, was this idea of being misfits. And so the audience made uh, Rankin and Bass and NBC one made, made Santa go back to the Island of misfit toys and two reinstate Hermie and Rudolph, the two misfits singing the misfit song because they didn't want to hear this song about them seeking fame and fortune. That's not what the film is really about. So it's a really nice example of the, like the, the excess of the text and the, the audience, you know, seeing the excess of the text beyond the intention of the creators. What with, if the intention was, you know, let's just, let's just say the intention was cynical and it was just to sell toys. Well, like here's the excess that works against it. And right. the audience saw it and and insisted that the the text include this aspect of, of the of the of the misfit because that's what's at stake here. And I think yeah, that's, that's really really nice that like it, this it was like an accident like like the like the misfit thing like happened to the text. It wasn't something right. you know like it had to right. be added back in. It they tried to take it away, and now it's just like this is about misfits. And yeah, I think that's really like, good. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, I think that the the. the 
the the other key part of what you're describing right now there's as the as Hermie and Rudolph are fleeing they meet mm-hmm. this guy named Yukon Cornelius who basically rescues them and he comes along mm-hmm. with the dog sled and uh led and, by and, lap dogs by the way not <laughs> sled dogs which is a very part, funny part of the time the dogs can't pull it so he ends up puts them on the thing and he pulls the sled <laughs> with the dogs on the string. sled so there's a real nice egalitarian dimension to him he's he's funny so he he he's constantly throwing he's a prospector he's right. constantly throwing his pick axe up into the air and it comes down and he and it goes into the ground he and he licks it and then he mm-hmm. goes nothing and he and he and he he exclaim he claims to to Hermie and Rudolph that I'm searching for silver. Well, first he says I'm on the lookout for gold. Then he says I'm for looking gold. for silver. And then Hermie's like, "Well, which is it?" So then he then he launches into this song called "Silver and Gold." So he's he's into both silver and gold. Um, what's interesting to me though is every time he licks his his pickaxe, he says nothing. Right? Like it. So mm-hmm. so here's the guy seemingly on the quest for like the quest that you said. Hermie and Rudolph would have sang about, but didn't sing about right. this quest mm-hmm. for wealth and and abundance, right? But he he never it's never realized. And then the one time when he does this is at the very end of the film. The one time when he puts his axe in and and everyone's things are kind of reconciled. Santa's back to Rudolph's leading the sleigh, or the decisions are made for Rudolph to lead the sleigh. He throws mm-hmm. his pickaxe up. He licks it. And he go, and he goes, oh, peppermint. So when he does actually <laughs> find something, it's not it's neither silver nor gold, but peppermint. So I think that's yeah. really really crucial to what the film is doing. And then, yeah. So I think that's a there's, really th- key point. Yeah, there it is. And there's also a nice extra diegetic thing about this is that there is a song cut. It's I don't know that it was ever even filmed, but there was a song <laughs> that was supposed to explain he was actually looking for peppermint all along but it's just but it was never put in the film it's it's just never there so then so what ends up happening his trajectory is he says he's looking for gold then he says he's looking for silver and Hermie says i thought you said you were looking for gold and he goes i changed my mind like that right, and right. then at the end he finds this peppermint mine right. and it, when the uh silver and gold song is being sung part of the animation is a squirrel find, gathering nuts and then finding yep. a gold nugget yeah. and balancing all these nuts on a seesaw and then putting gold on it. And the gold outweighs all of the nuts. And so to making it seem know, like it's more valuable, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the implication. Then, right. right. That's, that's the implication. And then the squirrel tries to eat it and gnaw at it and it can't eat it. And so it just throws it away and it becomes right. useless. And so it's an, it's another really nice thing. That's like, like gold, silver and gold are, do they have absolutely nothing to do with existential necessity? They are, they are useless. It's it, it, like it's useless to the squirrel. Like it, it's useless to the animal. The animal needs the, the nuts. That's how they're going to get through winter. Right. And so right. it does. It makes this kind of a nice like anthropomorphic point that right. there there is nothing valuable in an animal instinctual way about money. That 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 uh, be that there that there isn't anything that is uh, uh, necessary about it. It doesn't. It will. It will not fill you up. You know, it will not, it will not keep you warm. Um, And so that, so that's like, then with the turn away for Yukon from silver and gold to peppermint, which is like a turn towards something that we would, you know, we, we put all this value in this economic value in silver and gold. And then it seems like the thing he finds is frivolous, but that's actually the thing that 
makes him, you know, excited. And that's the thing I, that well, has value. It's, it's interesting because, right, it's not a nut. I think it's really yeah. important that he doesn't just find a nut, right? Like, so mm. the, the film has contrasted the excess, like the, the pure, ex, the inutility of money, gold mm-hmm. versus versus the nut, right? But then mm-hmm. he finds something that is also not useful in the way that the nut is, but something right. that you can enjoy as opposed to gold, right? So I think it's that Very seems nice. really interesting yes. to me that it that it doesn't just it's not a utility it's not a like let's go back to utility, right? Like mm-hmm. that or let's mm-hmm. go back to this animal relation to things. It's instead right. let's not let's focus our enjoyment not on silver and gold but on this like this as you said like this other frivolous thing that allows us to enjoy in a way that's not you know invested in the future invested in accumulation mm-hmm. but but instead a way that can be shared equally among anybody right so i think that that's yeah. i think it's really important that it's not it's he doesn't find a nut grove or something whatever yeah. it would be you know i think it's important that it's well that it's, it's pretty it's well then really good. Be, like I, I think I love this point that like it, you know the film already showed like there there's no there's no like ne- uh, there's no value of necessity to peppermint and uh, like uh, but it's there is a there's a there's a joy you know right. like like yeah. I I think that that's really really nice that like that it, it's it's moving the hu- it's like moving human desire away from the accumulation of wealth to the accumulation of enjoyment. Right. I think that's right. You know, I think that's which, right. I think which, that's the trajectory of the of the film. And I think that's really pretty good. And and it, it it's interesting how the by that 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 that's aligned with bringing the like align changing the orientation of society toward the misfit. Right? Like so yes. I think you could read yeah. the ending of the film in two different ways. On the you could yeah. there's a liberal reading of it which says, mm-hmm. "Oh, all the because Rudolph becomes useful, right? Like he, like yeah. Rudolph with your nose, for, they even say, Santa says this directly, yeah. Rudolph with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Because it's the, it's terrible weather and so Christmas might be canceled. Right. So it's interesting in two of these films, there's a threat of this particular Christmas being canceled, right? So yes. the other one's about the origin of why Santa comes on Christmas and these two are about, mm-hmm. the one on either end are about uh, the possibility of Christmas being annulled. But but so he says, and and so Rudolph's, disability it mm. becomes a, 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 a ability right like it's no longer a disability the disability becomes something positive like it's it's valence changes so that's one and i think that's an argument for reading it as a liberal film right like liberalism wants to we'll bring that person in and 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 they can they can be a my dad used to say this all the time well as long as a person can be a contributing member of society right and i was just to say to him what if they can't like, what if they just can't? Yeah, then what do we yeah. do with them? <laughs> right? Like, that seems like a big thing. Um, but Rudolph is a contributing member of society at that point, for sure. Mm-hmm. But then I think what's interesting is Santa goes to the... So Rudolph promises that Santa will come to the Island of Misfit Toys. He does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he picks up the toys, puts them in the sled, and then that's the end of the film. Right? He goes off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He doesn't fix them. And I think that's right. a really, really crucial yes. thing. So some kid is going to get what did you say? The train with the caboose with, with the, square wheels on it, right? Yes. Like so, yes. some kid is going to. They're going to have to play with that, and it's going to, you know, it's going to be a little. It's not going to play. It's not going to roll the way another. So all these things that don't fit in have to be. It's not like they're changed to fit in, but it's like the right. 
the social structure has to be reoriented around the not fitting in. And I think that's the, that seems to me the most radical idea of the film. And I think that's the reading invited by Santa going to that back to the Island of Misfit Toys. And I can see why they cut it, why the, yeah, why no, the network no, wanted cut it because it's a dangerous idea. Yeah. It's a danger. No, that's why it, it, it didn't happen until people demanded it. Right, like that's the right. thing. Like it wasn't, it wasn't cut for time. It was not, it not existent, you oh, know, interesting. And yeah. be, because the, the, the film, cause that's the thing, like, like that, that is the thing that resists the, the liberal reading where, where it's like, there's also, there was also be the, cause Hermie the fits cinema. back in too, right? Like that should be yeah. clear. Like, cause they that needed a dentist at the <laughs> North bowl cause people had tooth decay from. Well, he brutally castrates pepper. the abominable snowman. We, we can't, or snow monster. We cannot forget yeah. that. He we cannot forget that. All the teeth. It's, it's really, um, like I saw, I saw it, I saw it, I watched it again last night for, I think the first time as, as an adult. And I, and I was just like, that is one sick dentist. Like that is yeah, just, yeah. Well, although he does is, it to not, save their lives, right? Like no, otherwise they wouldn't. Right. And I don't want to be accused of anti-dentite content, but like it, so because, but that's the important, uh, do you know that joke from Seinfeld? Anti-dentite? I do not know. I didn't laugh. Oh, okay. I don't know. I will tell, yeah, I will tell you, I'll tell you about it later. Um, okay. th- so the, so that's that's again this so that that would be like a a, a graphic literalizing of of castration that occurs yeah. in the film. But yeah. the the more important is that or ones is that like Donner, who th- tries to hide his son's nonconformity, his disability, like tries to claim at the end he always knew his son would be special, and like you know that that's just absolutely, right. not, absolutely true. not true. He right. tr- he he aided and and abetted the shunning of his son. So like the this this total like bringing down of the of, of the father and even santa had to i was gonna say that, that right that he was santa wrong. claus is totally it's a castrated santa right like he's yes. he acts arbitrarily maliciously capriciously right like he's yes. just a he he's he's he seems like a bad guy even like yeah. he, he you know he throws he's like he's like leading the leading the racist ostracism of Rudolph. yeah so yeah, yeah absolutely so, yeah. and yeah. and i think so i think that the why the the misfit toys thing is so i think so crucial why we're spending so much time on it is that like without it then i think it's it's really just like well uh it's not until rudolph's uh nonconformity becomes useful and and uh, to conformist society that he's accepted and that uh like i think without that that ending like i i kind of think that is the that is what, the idea what the film right. is right. but but because Santa redistributes the misfit toys and they're not fixed. There's it's still a Charlie in the box. Nobody right. wants to play with a Charlie in the box. I told you I would right. do that voice, right. um, which that does, only makes sense yeah. to people who've seen the film. Yeah. Um, but it, but yeah, it's just to recapitulate what you said. It's not about how misfits later fit in, you know, or, or like the trajectory of like how a misfit becomes a part of conformist society, but it's about how the social reorients around misfits to become changed and transformed. And I, I it's think really that's crucial what we yeah. see in that. And it's, it's so important. Yeah. 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 I think that's right. I think that that's the, like when people say, what would a, people ask me this question all the time. What would a, what would a society focused on non-belonging look like? Well, that's kind of what it would look like. I think that's, yeah. a, I mean, it would look like the Island of Misfit Toys or bringing the Island of Misfit Toys, bringing those toys into the, into the regular yeah into the rest of society, right? I think that's yes. really important. And I, I do think the status of the of the abominable is is important. Like I think he mm. he also like the vil he's the basically the villain in the 
mm-hmm. in the film, and he ends up being. What's interesting is the villain's castration is absolutely crucial to their survival, even right. Yeah. Like they couldn't, and I think that that it's funny that the dentist has such a crucial role in that because <laughs> the, the dentist. I mean, this is another part of the film. I think you could go either way on, right? On the one hand, the dentist is the most bourgeois of occupations, right? Like they're sure. well paid. They're they're for doing something that's not. I mean, it's socially useful for sure, but it's you know, it's it's not like a surgeon. Um, this and, that is so anti-dentite. I I'm like I I know I it was I terrible. I can't believe I even you. said that. I know. <laughs> I have a funny joke about this, but uh, and okay. I'm going to or a line that was said to me. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, so there, the, uh, so there's that, right. And yet the dentist here is the one is the force of actually, uh, the force of castration, right? So, mm-hmm. so the force mm-hmm. of like making clear that there is no substantial villain, even there's no substantial yeah. authority in Santa, but there's also no substantial villain either, which is, I think just as crucial as not believing the positive authority is substantial. So that right, I think, right, because, right. I mean, that's the mistake of say Ahab, right? Like he thinks mm, Moby Dick mm. is a substantial villain, and you can't right. believe that, just as you can't believe that the positive authority is substantial. So here's what happened. So I was, uh, I heard this story from the guy's son. But so there's this there's this okay. famous socialist named Irving Howe, okay. and this was he was he's so he was he was alive in the 1960s, but he was an older guy, right? And so he was it, somewhat ha- like what happened to Adorno. You know how Adorno got. Like people threw flowers on him when he talked in the sixties. Yeah. So same thing. Like people, but these people were yelling insults at him. Like you're a, you betrayed the, the you know the leftist movement. You you know you're you're and and he and he yelled back. There were all these students yelling at him, and he yelled back at them. He said, "I'll still be a socialist after you've all become dentists." And I I I I thought that was so. I always think of that when I watch Hermie in this. That's really funny because this this. It's not because his idea, of course, by saying that he was saying the dentist is the. I'm sure this is going to be anti-dentite. Uh, it's the <laughs> ultimate position of social conformity, right? Like it's yeah, you know, that's like pretty you, funny. Yeah, yeah, that's Anyways, pretty good. I think I no, think that, Rudolph resists that idea because he's yeah. precisely because he's the he's the instrument of castration. By the way, I think doesn't Marathon Man resist it as well when Lawrence <laughs> Olivier yes. is the is it safe? Is it safe? And he's using dentistry as a source, of right? Of of torture, yeah. don't you think that this inspired uh, Marathon Man? I think it. Did. That's what's the time? Yeah, the timing works. I That's pretty th- good. I, yeah, I think yeah. almost certainly. I think that the, yeah. I like just to like make a like I I I, I say that a little tug in cheek, but the influence of these on incredible, incredible, it's, it's, it's shocking. Like, we're, let's get to the next one because this I think you have a really good idea on this, and I think it will it will make this point even more profoundly. Yeah. So Santa Claus coming to town, which is a story told by a mailman uh, who talks to mail, the voice of children. Can I, from can I just? That's true. Can I just add one thing before <laughs> yeah. you get into this? The, the, the narrators are all pretty good. So yes. So uh, uh, Sam the Snowman, Sam the Snowman, who's Burl Ives, who does his fame, "Holly Jolly Christmas" is his most famous song, and he sings it. But then Fred Astaire is the mailman. Yes. He's great. And then yes. uh, is it Shirley Booth who's Mrs. Yes. Claus? I think yes. yes so really, the narrators are great for these. Phenomenal. And, and the, I think it's, it's funny that they made, I, I kept thinking about Holiday Inn that they made, um, Fred Astaire sing you know? <laughs> instead of um, dance. 
instead of dance. Yeah, so because a it's less not impressive. A hooper, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's less impressive when a, a stop motion uh, puppet on strings is dancing than it is a real person. But, um, right. but so the yeah. So I like I said, tongue in cheek about the Marathon Man, but like the the influence of just of voices. Like the the voice of the the Charlie in the Box is like basically a squeaky voice teen from The Simpsons, um, and there are just so many there are just so many voices like very uh, campy and great, not just campy also, but but like just performed voices that you you'll hear in other uh, cartoons and 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 figures like the what, there's a character in uh, Santa Claus Coming to Town named the winter warlock that basically looks like the ice king from adventure time. And like, you can see, you can see this influence in, in animation, uh, uh, throughout just like the way that the characters, you know, like you have the henchman, that's a tall, uh, elf, and then kind of like a short and, and, and fat elf that in, in, um, uh, year without Santa Claus. And that's a, that's a classic, like that's from venture brothers. That's the henchman for the monarch. Like there's all, there's all kinds of stuff like this, but what is very significant about, Santa Claus is, I think this is the first, uh, or it doesn't matter if it's the first, but it is a mainstream example of the origin story and the origin story of a figure that is already known to people. And that is Santa Claus. And this is like a big thing. Like, you know, we're, we're always seeing this in, uh, in film. This is like the, the, the contemporary, uh, fascination with the, with the reboot. And a lot of it is rebooting an origin story for a figure that you're already familiar with, like Batman or Spider-Man or, or, you know, whatever. Um, And it's the origin story tries to recontextualize what you think you already know. And this is something that Santa Claus coming to town does with like, why is Santa Claus called Kris Kringle and also Santa Claus? And this film has an answer for that pretty he's pretty taken, clever answer i think actually a pretty yeah. clever uh, yeah clever one like he's taken in by the kringles and what do they do todd they make toys right. that's all they do right. and they're the and first so toy he, makers to the king first toy makers to the king that's that yeah. is a great song from this movie yeah. you're right about yeah. that i, I yeah. slandered this film for not having good songs and, and no that good is a songs. great song right that that's a very good song. good song um the so and and like there and there are other things and like you can well, everything you can right see, like his his laugh yeah. his like like why he yeah. comes on Christmas Eve, like yes. every single, like instead of any other the day, the stockings, right? Like yes. the, the stockings pretty great part of this film, I think. But, but the open, so he's a foundling who yes. is being taken to the orphanage and then the, the soldier basically loses the sled mm-hmm. and the sled ends up at this Kringle house. And then they're, they're making toys. And then as he ages, so he's a mm-hmm. foundling. He gets, and when he becomes in his twenties, I guess, he mm-hmm. decides to deliver the toys to the the town over the mountain, and yes. the the town is ruled by this guy Burgermeister Meisterberger, who is yes. a who is a yes. very evil ruler, and the the his all his henchmen are dressed in German World War One garb, so they they seem very menacing too and they're not buffoonish i don't think they're they're very menacing and and they're he, very menacing it's they're it's very menacing. very, very anti-german a like very anti-german is, i just yeah. say and then the, he even does the the gerbils burgermeister weisterberger burns toys so he's he's yeah. anti-toy yeah. because here's i guess the reason like he he's walking down the steps of city hall and he slips yes. on a toy, and then he blames toys for all of his toys, his his ills, and he has. But he loves confis- the yo-yo. Eventually. He does love a yo-yo for a minute, and then he, yeah, like you yeah. think maybe the whole thing is going to turn on his change of heart once he starts with the yo-yo. But, 
that but no, doesn't... but that's that's kind of clever for the film because then it's like, oh, the film's over. Now he loves toys. And it's like, no, yeah, absolutely no, not. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Oh, and the escape is like the flying reindeer were necessary to get them out of jail. So they get so yeah. so Chris Kringle gets jailed by Burgermeister Meisterberger for delivering toys. His his uh, and who else gets jailed with him? I, I've forgotten. Oh, the penguin. The penguin does right, and then in order to free them. They have to have flying reindeer, which to break them out of jail. So it's really a, right. they, like all of the origin is covered, really. And it, and it, it's, it's yeah, it's and very it's true to the song too. Remember, <laughs> he does this. You, you tell them they better watch out. They better, you know, <laughs> pout. Yeah, and, yeah. He does all this stuff, so it's pretty good. He does all the all the song, just like just like they do a little bit, like right in, in Rudolph, you yeah. know. And then yeah. and then it's it, it's interesting in the third one, which you know we'll get to, where which is not based on a well known song or even right. Well-known figure, and the there are th- things that, that I that I really like about um, Santa Claus coming to town is that it is uh, very pagan. Like as yeah. much as the as much as the characterization of Burgermeister is very anti-German, it, it's kind of like the like German the, like mythology or something, right? Yeah, it's like sort of the only yeah. way that the pagan, like the you know, O Tannenbaum, right? The like the yeah. the, the German. Yeah. Um, uh, grounding for a lot of uh, Christmas traditions. It's like that was a way to to sort of bring that in, but there had to be some demonstrably German figure who was rejected, so it could be reclaimed by, you know, uh, someone who is speaking like unaccented uh, Ohioan, uh, uh, as in from Ohio, uh, right. uh, American English. You know, like right. like it had to be you know brought right. in to right. to society that way. So like so there's the the the, the two sides of of that coin, but it, it is. Like it is interesting the, the you know the the villain for a little bit being this winter warlock and then there's also these like these pagan figures and uh, year without Santa Claus of the cold miser and the heat miser and also Mother Nature again get to get to all that so I I like how I like how I like how pagan that that, that yeah. it is it, yeah. that that doesn't always happen in the in the Christmas film I think that is something that is um, distinct at least among the films that we've talked about for where, sure like. Yeah. There is the like you know there is the thing like why does because one thing that um Chris Kringle does in a year oh not year without Santa with uh, Santa Claus coming to town is he just delivers presents all the time all the time and right. all the time and then does have the then you do have the overlap of the the pagan and the Christian which is like how Christianity historically ended up like dominating different places actually was it was it's uh like um what is it King Mithras I think his birthday is also. Mithraism, this this uh, right. mystery religion right. like that. Right. I think his birthday was also the twenty fifth of December. Yeah. So that's like a, a thing in so appropriate Christi- the other thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that's and then you know Chris Kringle in this movie. Well, he decides to deliver gifts on the twenty fifth because that's Christ's birthday. So right. you have he does. That. He's explicit about that. So that's pretty interesting. Yes. And that's part of the origin story thing, right? Like he he gives the gifts every day and then why does he decide the 25th well because that's when that's this most holy day of the year right that's what i think how right. he says it so i think that's yeah. pretty that's pretty good too and then the other thing is he like his and i think this is why this fits in with this misfit idea his his criminality and the criminality of all the elves who've who've helped him is is foregrounded in the film right like he's yeah. a burgermeister yells at him you must be a nonconformist he's, right, he even says right, that yeah right Right. So it's interesting how today the toy is not seen as an, a vehicle of nonconformity in any way, right? No. Like it's the, it's the it's the way of conformity. But I right. think at the time of this 
it's interesting what the toy stand at the time. I was going to say the time of this film that wasn't totally true, and I I think that's right. But I also think that the toy here is standing for something, right? Like the toy is mm-hmm. standing for precisely this this inability, this like the way this aspect that doesn't fit in, right? Like the yeah. toy signifies that. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's it has it has a um, I think like. Like there's something nice about well, so and there there are two things that are really interesting, like the use of color in this film. Yeah, like for and the one, absence of color, right? Like and the absence of color. Right. Yeah, that's that's the sort of like the the like to give the toy like jouissance. I yeah, think, you know, like it, yeah. in this really dour, uh, this bleak gray, uh, you know, gray brown world, and then like the toys are like full of color, and then Did Pleasantville course, come from this. That's really interesting. I'm, I mean, I, you're you speaking of all these other ones that kind of had it uh, are are influenced by it, but I mean that's exactly the Pleasantville does it with like it doesn't do it just with shades like Santa Claus. It yeah. just does it with actual like black and white footage versus color footage, right? Fascinating. I think that's pretty good. And then you have yeah. the the um the Jessica the 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 future Mrs. Claus like trippy uh like i don't know flower powered dream sequence it's yeah it's, it's really crazy i i it's crazy was, i was saying to you it's a little it's a like it's like the trip to the saturn's moon in 2001 it's real you know that yeah. people used to trip to acid and go to watch that and i was thinking like maybe the kids were tripping on acid when they were watching <laughs> this this scene <laughs> maybe not um but it, i thought it's, it was clear. i thought it's it's funny you thought 2001 and i thought vertigo you thought like, vertigo. Like Interesting. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's a different, you know why? I think this is the reason I thought it is because it's in a stop motion film. This was animated. That's correct. So right. So th- we, when you said at the beginning, these are animated stop motion, that's, that's technically correct, right? Like they're, yeah. they're neither animation, nor, they're both animation and stop motion. They do, yes. they bring both, which like even animation at the time was expensive, but can you imagine making a stop motion film before there was digital? I mean, like they had to every and every frame you had to move the character slightly, you know, just, just a little brutal. bit. Yeah. Brutal. There, that's why, yeah. that's why I was watching what Karen and I were watching Rudolph when he, um, when, so in the film, when they go to the Island of Misfit Toys and then Rudolph thinks we didn't talk about this part. Um, the, that Rudolph leaves because he thinks he's going to get his friends killed because right. of his nose. Oh, that's and right. So then, that's right. And then there's this, there's this part of the film that happens through commercial breaks. And Sam, the snowman says that time passed slowly, but like months pass in the movie, like the temporality, it's easy to forget this if you've seen the movie, but there are months, possibly even a year that passes in the movie. Right. Um, and, uh, the only re- the reason I brought this up is when when uh, Rudolph abandons his friends who are sleeping in this shack on the island of misfit toys. He doesn't close the door behind him. And Kara was like, "Wouldn't the wind just go in?" And I was like, "Do you know what they would have to animate to have him close?" Oh the my door? god, you're right. That's why he you doesn't know, close like, the door. That's why right. he doesn't close the door. That's why there's only six plus Rudolph reindeer at the end of the right. movie. You know, is because it just you you take away two, and then there's just so much less work that you have to so much um, less work take right. pictures of, yeah, right. and right. hang on wires and, and all that stuff. Right. Um, you can so, see the wires but, in Year Without a Santa Claus, I think. Yeah, in the way you a can lot of the time. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think yeah, that's interesting. I think which because didn't bother. In, I mean, I'm not. I wasn't bothered by it, but I just no. You could notice it, especially with heat visor. The and background miser. is. Sorry, the, the, in, in Rudolph, the, the background is more white, so that's why right. you can't see it as much, I, I would right. I would say. 
Right. Like it's, it's, right. it's all snowy. And then even, even though there's not color in uh, so much in um, Santa Claus coming to town, there's like, there, there's a gray background that makes a wire more distinct, you know, and then, and, and, yeah. and other things like that. I think like that, that'd be a reason for it, but it's, it is interesting. Both of these films, what they do with uh, with temporality of the yeah character. these two so, the first two right for sure for it's sure really interesting there's a right. bit there's it's a little bit of a Bildungsroman kind of kind of thing going yeah. on for 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 uh, with each like I mean that's a, that's the other thing like you know Rudolph comes back and he has horns now and then he goes yeah. to try to save his uh, his mother and uh, Clarice and his father I think who are being attacked by the Bumble again another castrating moment for the father who is useless. Um, yeah. and Rudolph tries to attack the bumble and then he knocks himself unconscious. And then that's when Hermie pretends to be a pig <laughs> to lure yeah. the bumble and then remove all of his teeth. Yeah. Um, but, and then the, you have the temporality of uh, Chris Kringle growing up in, uh, Santa Claus uh, into an old town. man. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I do, and I do like this, this thing where like it, it in, Rudolph, he's not just uh, a, an, an outcast, but his outcast status reorients society. Right. And in Santa Claus is coming to town, he's not just a nonconformist; he's a criminal. He's a criminal, you know? and yeah. but it does all the same idea, right? That it reorients that society. That Meisterberger, mm-hmm. Burgermeister, is is like he he's just he loses his authority. He ends up being just tossed aside, and they the, the, we don't even see him be toppled from power. We just see somebody come in and take his picture down and throw it in the garbage, right? Like there's right, no, he becomes irrelevant. Don't we always a, say that? Even that's what they say. Even I think that that yeah. Burgermeister Meisterberger becomes irrelevant, and I think that's pretty incredible. So yeah. there's a double castration, right? Like first he's castrated by the toy on the stairs, and then he's mm-hmm. he has to roll around, and he he can't he can't. I don't know why he can't. He walks a little bit with crutches, I guess. But he's well. He, I have some sympathy. He has a broken foot. Let's not. I know. I that. thought you were. I thought of you when I saw him with the broken foot. Uh, although it was you didn't probably break a it fifth on metatarsal. Toy. I'm sure. Of <laughs> but uh, but he he uh, so but so that's the first castrating moment. But then the big one is when he that he's just rendered irrelevant by history, and yeah. it's the change that's created by the Santa Claus figure who also changes Winter Warlock, right? Like he, yeah. By this gesture of offering him a toy, which again I think like offering him his little piece of enjoyment for himself, mm. that then all of a sudden his his cold frozen exterior just melts away, right? It's like very right, literal right. about that. Yeah. And then, but I think that what's interesting is it almost happens with Burger Meister Meister Burger with the yo yo mm-hmm. doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't take, and then but it does happen with. It happens with Jessica. Like she get he hands her yes. very again very sexist. He hands her a doll, and she's yeah. like, "I always wanted the doll." And and so and then that that turns her. And so there's a way in which this little piece of enjoyment embodied by the toy, that once you can have your own little piece, then you, you the whole town is structured around the envy of the others of like this envy of enjoyment. So we prohibit it, right? And so I think yes. that. It's interesting that that's Freud's notion in Totem and Taboo, right? Like that, that, that that's what the, the band of brothers agree on, that we're going to yeah. give up, like, so we can't, no one can have the enjoyment of all women, so we give up all, we, we, we give up that totally, like that, 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 that we give up, the, every all of us give up the idea of total enjoyment. But what's interesting is this is, so we, we agree to prohibition, but this is saying, those aren't the only options. There's this option mm. of like you can have your little piece, and mm. 
and and that way you break out of this cycle of envy of the others. I think that's the idea of it. And so if yes. so it's like embrace your little singularity, your misfit, your your nonconformity and that way you can not be involved in this logic of of envy that leads to prohibition. Well, isn't that why it's so crucial that what doesn't turn the film is uh Burgermeister being brought to right. Right. In, in like like it through the toy because then yeah. it's like oh then then it's the thing that we talk about it's a it's an aggregate of particulars it's right. everybody individually um c- coming to some personal like joy and love through toys and then that changes society on the side of the particular which as we we're saying like that is never how it works that society doesn't change that way it, it changes because what burgermeister represents becomes irrelevant right and and, right. and i it's it, it's a it's a really a social revolution it's not a like i agree it's not he 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 melts the he melts the icy heart of the winter warlock but he doesn't do that with the uh the totalitarian king it's fascinating right he doesn't right that's i mean it's it's crucial like you and i also like the geography of the film because Mm. winter warlock is on this mountain that separates the kringles toy making shop from the town Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. then so you have to pass over the mountain past the winter warlock to get to the town so it's almost like he's protecting the town from this dangerous enjoyment of the toys right but then but then when he melts away, there's this flood and the town has no way to protect itself except through these series of draconian, more and more draconian orders. And what I, so I think that's pretty cool. But then what I really like is the way that it ultimately gets subverted is two things, right? He goes in Mm -hmm. through the chimney and then Mm -hmm. that works for a little bit. And then because they lock, he orders that all the doors are locked tonight. And then, but then they find the toys and then that they're, they're just confiscated or maybe that's when they're burned. And then that's the they, that's when they're burned. And then the which I can't tell you how tra- I don't know why that was so traumatic for me as a child, but it really, huh. really traumatized. Like the Winter Warlock, I could deal with, but that Burger Burger Meister Burger and the burning of the toys, I just and so I think I got mm. as a kid this notion that the toy is one's singular enjoyment form of enjoyment. Mm. Right? I must have gotten that, or why would I be trauma traumatic? Like I that's I hadn't lived through the burning of books in Nazi Germany, so which is clearly what it's yeah yeah to, yeah. Um, so I think that's me just on a personal, yeah, yeah, go, go. When, um, uh, Clarice sings, uh, there's always tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, That really, really gets me. It's like, um, Kara and I had last night, we we said this same thing at the exact same time. It's like in Willy Wonka when, um, Charlie's mother sings uh, cheer up Charlie. Yeah. It's like, that's another song that breaks me. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's because of the, like it always got me as a kid. I think it, I, it's the, the, the thing I'm always on about the anti cynicism thing. That's, that's like, right. it's like, I can't describe It's like, it's like a place inside me as like <laughs> a thing that I feel in the same way that you felt that about the, about the toys being, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's good. So that's good. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway my final point yeah. is that I, I love the, the, so they, the, the, he goes through the chimney, gives the toys, they're confiscated, burned. And what do they do? They, the, the only, the, the so the, throughout the film, it's been wash your stockings, don't play with toys, right? Like that's been right. the punishment. That's what the kids do. And that's yes. what the kids have to do. And so yep. then the final way to get the toys to them in a secret way 
is to they have the stockings hung up in the fireplace and he puts the toys in the stocking, which is part of this origin story, as Ryan said. And I, I think that that's, it's pretty great that he uses the thing that is the most banal and everyday and torturous mm-hmm. for the kids as the site of their preserving. Within that, he can preserve this thing that's singular and is their form of enjoyment. So I think that's pretty pretty great. So it's like at the it, heart of yeah. what signifies belonging, we're going to slip in this non-belonging that holds us together. Yeah, it's really nice. It's in in Burgermeister because the because the, the cops that the, there's an edict. If ta- if this wasn't clear, he, banning all toys. But Chris Kringle keeps bringing toys anyway, and yeah. that that's the, that's the way that he can sneak it into society. And they check every house for toys, and they don't think to check the socks, the stockings, because why would they be the site of enjoyment? And it's right. so it's a nice right. um, it's like Poe in the Pearl and Letter, like the cops. Yeah, it like is. Not, it's exactly well. Not, that's funny yeah. because the letter is initially hanging from the the mantle, I think, isn't it? In yes. the, almost in the same way. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. In a just in a very mundane piece of of paper. It, it just was. Yeah. It did a different envelope, and why yeah. would it be? And like that's the, that's the thing because the you know this is the thing that Poe is doing in that story. The cops can only think in this orthodox and ideological way, which is why Dupont is the one who can find it. He's He's uh, the outsider to that. So right. he, he, right. that's why he can locate the letter. And it's a little bit, and it's like, why can Chris Kringle, you know, come up with this example is because he's outside of the, that ideological uh, dictate. Right. To, so he to, can see what's yeah. hiding in plain sight, right? Like that's, exactly. the, that's yeah. the key thing, right? Like that. Yes. It's interesting how seeing what's hiding in plain sight is akin to the, like there's some alignment between that and the misfit position, mm. right? I think that's yeah, I agree. which you would you would think that it would be the person who really is inside who could see what's hiding in plain sight, but that blinds you to it because you're yeah. it becomes banal to you, right? So I think right. that's really that's pretty no, great. I think that's I think that's great. I, um, in fact, I, I unless there was something um, that you wanted to to say uh, about the film, I think that's a, that's a great point at which to turn to a year without yeah. Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah because I, I agree, w- Santa. Um, because of uh, Watergate and the Vietnam War, is depressed. Um, yep. This is not part of the text. This is my uh, supposing. Uh, but this is, you know, it's 1974. This comes out. And it's a, what happens is that Santa, Santa becomes a cynic. Santa yep. thinks nobody cares. No one cares anymore about Christmas. And that there's no more Christmas spirit, which incidentally, if you take what's at stake in Santa Claus to come into town and the idea of like an origin story and, and, and whatever, and also what's at stake in the year without a Santa Claus, you get elf like that. <laughs> that's really good. You know, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's what the, and I, I like that film a lot. I'm not, that's yeah. not like a, a, not a, not a negative comment. Like that's, that's, that's what you get. So maybe if you're more yeah. familiar with that film and you less familiar with this, then, you know, you, you see what's going on here a little bit, but so someday we'll talk about that. If I, we will, when we do the Christmas comedy yeah. next year. Possibly, oh, wow. or an, or another another take, but um, so Santa cancels Christmas of his own volition because no one cares, and right. he's he's just depressed. He's like he is depressed. That's not me. Like he's just in bed. He doesn't yeah. leave. Yeah. The, he's leave, sick leave too. He's got yeah. He's got. He's a sick. Fever. You know. Yeah. The 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 idea of going to the outside world. There's there's nothing for him anymore. And it is like he. I think this would be the what ends up happening. Not to skip immediately to the end, but just to make the point connect to our last point about uh, Santa Claus coming to town. He does not, he's not able to see anymore what hides in plain sight, which is the, you know, which is the Christmas spirit, which yeah. is the people do yeah. care, 
you know? And so anyway, w- this film, which is the most feminist of the three, not a high bar to clear, but it is I, genuinely I was, gonna, feminist. I was just getting ready to say that, man. Not a high bar to clear at all. <laughs> not a high bar to clear. But the men in this film and boys are useless. And yeah. it is it is really only because of Mrs. Claus and eventually- Mrs. Claus, um, who, who there's, all, there's also a trans moment at the beginning, right? Yeah, I agree with this. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I see where you're going. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. That, Talk about because it. Because she says- she sings a song, Shirley Booth, as Mrs. Claus sings a song called Any, what's the song? Anybody Can Be Santa Claus or Anybody something like that? Anybody Can Be Santa Claus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, she, and she dresses up in his attire. But then mm-hmm. it's interesting, like when the other sees her, when these two elves jingle and jangle, who are just not very <laughs> bright guys, as their names suggest, when they see her, they're like, what? They're like, oh, he's up. And then they're like, they look at her face, they're like, oh, it's just you. So the, so but, and then but and from then, behind they think they think she's Santa. That's yeah. right. And then but then she's like you're like well she could pull it off but of course there'd be no film if she could pull it there, off. Yeah. Um but but it's funny that why she stops. She just she, their reaction just she's like ah oh, I can't do it. So yeah. I guess not. So I think that's what she says. I guess not. I like I it, guess yeah. not. Yeah, that is what she says. So what happens is rather than her doing it she she really chooses the the, the harder thing. Right. which is right. to get Santa to see that people do care. And so she dispatches Jingle and Jangle on uh, Vixen. Vixen to go down to uh, to Earth. It does seem like they're not on Earth. It does seem like bit. that, doesn't it? It yeah. does seem like that. Not Rather, not the North Pole, but more like it, they're in a, another plane of existence. Like, right. like, they're in, um, like they're in Asgard and they have to go down to Midgard or something. You know, like it, does it does seem see, like that. That's correct. It does seem a yeah. little bit more like that. Yeah. So, um, and they get caught up in a war between these two. Uh, well, they have to, for some, some reason, they have to go between. See, that's what makes me think that you're right. Because if they were just coming from the North Pole, they could just go around right. these two. But they're these two guys heat miser and cold miser and they're they're very proximate to each other very and they have close. to fly right through them so that's weird yeah and they're in a war with each other because and this is so, something that's really great about this film for one there's this charlie chaplin lookalike who's on the street did you catch that i did catch that yeah in Southtown. so there's there's also the implication that this is in like 1910s so it's a little bit like um meet me in st louis you right. know where it's like like a film made in the 50s about the like the 10s and the, into the yeah. into the teens um and so this being the 70s though going back to the 10s um and the, right i don't think there's a car is there i don't think no, you I don't see think a so car in Southtown, which is yeah that supports that there's not and there's also there's some like really wonderful like um uh i don't want to say continuity errors i want to instead call them um do i want to say eccentricities no, I don't know what I want to say. Well, there's one error that Mother Nature makes that we're going to have to talk about. That we're going to have to talk about. I, I'm not sure if it's intended or not. That's, that's I don't know that it is. Yeah. But it's so the the story. It's a lot more simple in this movie. It's that they're trying to cheer Santa up, and they want to show like, uh, like have a, a a town have Christmas spirit, and Jingle Jangle are trying to get the mayor to of of this town, who's like. Uh, if you squished his face and made it vertical, he would look like the mayor from Powerpuff Girls. Um, so again, like these these characters are just like you, you see later in, in other uh, animation things. Um, and, you know, what is it? Oh, yeah, to declare a national holiday for Santa. That's the idea. That, that, right. That's what he'll do. Um, if, if they 
if they can make it snow in Southtown and then right. anyway, where it, it never, never does. Right. Yeah. And he's kind of like a Southern, he's kind of like a Mark Twain sort of right. figure a little bit. So anyway, and then they, it's, it's just, uh, the plot is a lot more simple. Eventually the, the Mrs. Claus has to help them go talk to cold miser to make it snow. But here's, here's the problem. Cold miser will totally make it snow in Southtown, but Southtown is under the jurisdiction of his stepbrother. Only time he says this, his stepbrother, uh, heat miser. Then every right. other time they're referred to as just brothers. And that, right. so it's, it's again, it's not a, it, it's an excess in the text. That's like that, the, the causes this thing like it's really easy to read this there's like if they are stepbrothers there's oh, a that kind seems of weird doesn't it why would they be it seems weird i don't know but there, there seems like there's they kind could of be like half a, brothers that's what i like the half i brothers. think half brothers makes a lot more sense but there's also this like it's not just a sibling rivalry it's like it borders on the erotic i i, I think i, I yeah, don't think yeah. i'm putting that in the yeah. film i think it's like yeah. very clearly there um very quickly cold miser is voiced by Dick Sean, who listeners will know from uh, like a bit part character roles in films such as It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, or um, I think maybe most famously, he's uh, Lorenzo St. Dubois, LSD, in The Producers, otherwise known as he plays Hitler in the... (laughs) in the diegetic screenplay springtime for Hitler and his performance. We're going to include this in the show notes. If you've never heard the cold miser song, it's absolutely incredible. Like incredible. you, you, you can, you can see if just hearing it, you can see the performance and I know it's stop motion. It's not him doing it, but it's like, it's just so, uh, it's just so evocative. He's the star of the show. So much so. fun. He's yeah. the star of the show scene yeah. stealing. So yeah. anyway, so they, so Mr. Claus has to get, the uh it's a snow in Southtown and Heat Miser won't allow it. And so she decides to go over these warring brothers' heads to go to their well, mother. Well Heat Miser will allow it if there's a day of oh yes sun at the North Pole and Cold Miser won't allow that. So they're so right. actually it's there interesting because Cold Miser seems the more receptive and nicer guy, mm-hmm. but he's actually the more unreasonable. Like Heat Miser makes a pretty it seems like a pretty fair deal, doesn't he? Like okay you can have the yeah. day down here, but I guess North Pole's a big ask. Is that what it is? I suppose. I, I guess, especially yeah. if it's Asgard and, right. and not part of this world. Not part of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, so, go ahead. Continue. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they go. So then they. So then she goes to see uh, Mother Nature, and it's very clear that she's definitely both of their mothers. Which the stepbrother thing doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense, right? Then, and it's also I, this is another thing I like about. The, the, how feminist the film is who are their f- father doesn't matter doesn't absolutely matter. irrelevant no does idea. does not she's matter a single parent a yeah. she's a single parent and <laughs> and so she forces them to to compromise but she i i don't yeah you're right it's either it, a mistake i think or, it had i don't know okay. when i was seeing it i thought it had to be intentional that she just doesn't she's like a kind of a absent mother <laughs> like she just doesn't oh, really, really pay funny. attention to what's going on tell tell what the error is because it's so the it's error a, is that she tells uh, she tells Cold Miser to let it snow in Southtown, and Heat Heat Miser. I'm I'm even gotten confused. Heat Miser it's, to to let it be warm, or, or you'll a, let it be a, you'll let it snow one day at the North Pole. It's almost like that. It's almost an extreme yeah. error. Like it really yes. doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense. But along with what's asked of her, yet they're both pissed and 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 both agree to do it. So it seems like they. They either understand, even though she said the wrong thing, or they act like they understand. It's really strange. I don't know how to yeah. what to make of it. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I th- I think. Th- I mean the. Um, 
I mean, we're not we're not very big fans of Occam and his razor on this show because yeah. that's anti-suspicion. But I do think that like the 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 screenwriters got confused. They just got the confused. Their own uh, idea. obvious yeah. answer. Yeah. That's not a very fun answer. I think your answer yeah. is better. Is that like she all that she understands is that they're having a hissy fit against each other, and she doesn't even know or care about what they do. Doesn't even care. <laughs> right. Doesn't, doesn't even care. Even, like I think it's that's like much it, more interesting. It's nice. It's nice because it actually shows the castration of Mother Nature. Right. Like the she's <laughs> like good. they get they bring this problem to her, and she. She resolves it, but in a way, she doesn't even really state the problem correctly, right? Like, so yeah. I think that's, yeah. I kind of like that better, although no attention's drawn to it by the film, so. No. But, no, but it no. is interesting that she's initially scary, and then she's a little, and she comes off a little flighty, so I think that does support that reading. Maybe that works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it. It's, a, it it's much more interesting than it, it's a production mistake. Just a production error, right, right. Yeah. But it does, what's interesting is that then, then, then Santa Claus, the, the, you know, he the 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 spirit of Christmas is then revived as a result mm. of this this miracle that takes place. They get the yeah the, the snow and, in Southtown, the snow in Southtown, and the right. And so th- then all around the world, there's this pouring in of support to Santa to give Santa Claus a day off, right, a holiday. Yes, yes. So it goes from, and I thought this was pretty interesting. It goes from. Santa Claus is taking Christmas, canceling Christmas to right. the reverse. That that the the collective is giving Santa Claus a day off, and they're going to make up the difference, right? Like they're going. It's like a emphasis That's on nice. the collective instead of the individual. But then Santa Claus doesn't. He goes fiddlesticks or whatever. He's like, I'm going to go and. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's not what he says, but he says something like that. Hogwash. No, I'm but that's go. in keeping with with the <laughs> what the, the I don't know the humor with the dialogue of <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so then yeah. he de- then he decides to go, and that and it basically ends with that idea that that he he's he's gonna he 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 gives up on the idea of giving up on Christmas because of this yeah. outpouring of spirit by the collective. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a um so that's pretty good. So we have the this like uh this this thing here. So like what have we what have uh, what have we learned, Todd? What have we learned? I'm not asking what the lesson is. We're not there yet. But what no, have we we're learned? not there yet. Um we're not there but, yet. Is we've we've got like this um this hiding in, in plain sight, which is in all three of the films. I mean, like for yeah. one, it's like I think you could argue that Clarice sees that um Rudolph is hiding something. Yeah. When she meets him. And, and no one else can see that because they just because what they see is the ideology, right? Like they he just has see to, the covered up be, nose, right? Exactly. And odd and voice. Just looks, she, looks, she's like, here's something off in his voice, right? And it's because his nose is covered up, right? Right. right. Also voiced right. by a woman like Bart Simpson. That's um. I'm 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 gonna remember I'm gonna remember her name the the, the voice of Rudolph and uh, oh wow interesting I didn't know that but yeah 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 so the so that's so there's the hiding in plain sight and then there's the the stockings and then I think that it's the um the people you know caring about or, or like it, it's not caring about Christmas that's what I th- that's what I think that we both like about this it isn't caring about Christmas it's like this underlying Christmas spirit. Yeah. That's what's in yeah. a year without a Santa. Because even the because the kid who for some reason speaks in a a, a Bronx accent. I know, even um, though he's from the south, right? He's His from name the is south. Iggy, I think, right? Like Iggy, Iggy, yeah, Ignatius. Think, yeah. Um, like, yeah, nobody cares about Santa Claus no more. Didn't you hear? <laughs> like, that's just how he. That's just how he sounds, which is uh, right, very right. very funny. Right. Um, but he, uh, so th- that's this like kind of. A suppression of, of spirit in favor of, of cynicism, 
right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and and that's what's I, I think. So that's, that's a line that runs through the other films, and I do think that you know we talked about this, of course, because it's impossible not to with a film like uh, It's a Wonderful Life, it, the the way that the collective uh, collectivizes around an individual. But I, I do think that these films do it differently. Could you speak to that difference? Yeah. So I think what's what's interesting is that there is this collective that forms around the, I think this is really important, around the absence of the individual, right? Like mm, the year with, mm. I think the title even gives it away, the year without a Santa Claus, that that when that individual is missing, then the collective forms. And I think the same thing with Rudolph is for, like, it's only the outcast individual that can help form the collective. It's the misfit that forms the collective. And then in Santa Claus is coming to town, the he, he, helps to form the collective, but he he does it through his absence from the town. I think that's really, I mean, it's interesting the role that Santa Claus plays in in all of these, right? Like, not in Rudolph, maybe, but Mm. in the other two, he's he helps to form the collective just as an absent figure. And I think we usually think of Santa Claus as this figure who brings presents, but Mm. I think these two films are saying, let's reimagine Santa Claus as this figure around which we can form a collective, but only a figure in, as a figure that's absent, right? And I think that's aligned with the idea of the castration of the of the symbolic authority, but I think it even takes it in a certain way a little bit further. I'm not, I don't want to say I that agree. these films are more radical than It's a Wonderful Life or, or <laughs> Shop Around the Corner, but I do think they're kind of pushing it in an in a even more political, explicitly political direction. I think so, too, and the... the um I don't know if you would want to use the word like like the 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 political achievement is I think maybe more stark because the commercial aspect. I mean, like it's, there's literally commercials in this. Right. Like, it it's is, right. Exactly. And that they were far done more imposed. On right. The and they were basically done to sell to- as you pointed out to sell toys. But I think they're going so f- much against the the consumerist ideology of the of the to- uh, and the, the role that the toy plays in that that the toy has an absolute almost an opposite signification in these films, I, I think. Yeah. So I yeah, think that's yeah. pretty, that's pretty important. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I have to admit that. Like the, the toy, well, just yeah. to camp out on that, like in yeah, the first, yeah, yeah. in the yeah, first film, do. the toy is, uh, it, it like in an, uh, it is the estranged labor that Marx talks about. Right. You know, in, in that, in that essay, like it, it is like, like Hermes is, uh, is completely, uh, alienated from that work. Absolutely. You know, and and what you see again is the, like um, one of those like this like nice uh, twist. I suppose a Lacanian twist, where that the alienation is precisely the condition that is required for subjectivity to emerge. Right. You know, like the right. the that like him being alienated from his work is what gets him out, and he absolutely and it, it confirms the, uh, the the push to to be a dentist. Um, we can dispute the. Uh, result of his <laughs> subjective uh, uh, trajectory yeah. but but th- but that's but there's that that is what what is what is there so that's the function of the toy in that in that film is this no, I don't dispute that, the like, result I just want to see the dentist only as an agent of castration yeah okay exactly yeah. I agree then I'm that's, then I'm, I'm totally for dentistry all, if we look then we're all for, <laughs> yeah. we're all for dentistry on the podcast yeah. the so that's I think that's that's great like the how the the toy functions and is either is that's the first way it functions in, in Rudolph and then it's the misfit toy. So there's never, so the, the, the toy in that film is, is, is never this thing that like uh, the toy that we think of it, like a, like a perfect toy 
it doesn't is not what brings joy. It it alienates someone from labor, and then it is the it's the misfit. It's the it's the the square peg in the round hole that is right. what brings you, you know uh, d- d- enjoyment at the at the end of the film. Then in the second film, the yeah. toys are of an index of crime. It's right. it, it's it's right. total total criminality, and I they don't really they don't have a place really anywhere in the third film. My right. I mean, it's not about getting toys, right? I think that's really good. Yeah. It's not about that at all. Right. Like it's not about like the collective isn't about like, Oh, let's all get something. Mm. Which I think is like, you think like the spirit of like the, the, the spirit uh, uh, organized around Santa, you would think is about getting something. Right. But it's not, that doesn't, that's not like the kids all. And I think this is really the important part of the third film. The kids all decide we're 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 act, not only that we're fine with not getting something. We mm. want Santa to have a holiday. We don't. We we're embracing our not getting something. So I think yeah. that's pretty. It's pretty good in the third one. I mean, I th- I I I think of the third one as the the weakest of the three. But I think mm. in that I really like that aspect of it. That it's it is the most collectivist. I think of I all think the so. three. Yeah, it's because more, you get it, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna. Well, just to, your point. Like, it's it's not about getting something; it's about giving something up. Right, right. You know, and and I think like in the first film, you know, you, the what is given up is the status quo, and I think uh, that's probably what's given up in the in the second film. But that's more like getting something, I think, uh, by the uh, by the end. Yeah, the kids are getting something, right? Like they're 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 getting they're all getting toys, and I, I mean yeah. they do in the end of the third film as well, but, but initially there's this jet, the gesture. But that's not why they got there. That's not why. Same thing for the second film as well. That's not why they got there. It wasn't because they wanted. It's true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I think, but do you agree with this? I think the first one is theoretically the most Rudolph is the most interesting theoretically and, and maybe the best for that reason. Because of the Island of Misfit toys. Yeah. I think just for that, the the whole idea of the misfit and, and, and actually how hard NBC tried to remove it, to remove it. Yeah. 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 I think that that has to put it above. Although I, I have to say the songs in the third, as I said, are just, are are pretty stunning. So there is that. Yeah. He's Mr. Tembelo. (laughs) If you haven't heard it, like, I mean, I don't want to hype this up too much. If you haven't heard it, I think it's pretty, it's pretty great. Right. It's pretty great. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, so I guess the lesson is, well, the lesson would be watch all three, but I think we would say watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? Watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and uh, keep an eye out for castrating dentists. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. (laughs) 